One Sunday afternoon, Father was trying to take a nap. Now, Sunday afternoon naps are kind of legendary. Well, he was laying down. He's going to take a nap, but his little guy just wouldn't let him do it. He just kept bothering him and bothering him and bothering him. And finally, the dad was so exasperated, he said, okay, i got to figure out a way to get about, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes of a nap today. So he went and he found a newspaper that had a picture of the globe on it with all the nations, you know, just, you know, kind of every, it was kind of like a, kind of like a, wasn't a puzzle, but it was this big picture of the globe with all of the nations of the world. So he thought, I got it. So he cut it up into a whole bunch of pieces and he gave it to his son. He says, now look, what I want you to do, here's a game. I want you to take it and I want you to put the world back together again. And he goes, this is going to be great because he had us no idea where all of those nations fit. So I'm going to have a wonderful Sunday afternoon nap. So he goes back and lays down. About 15 minutes later, the, guy, the little guy comes up and said, Dad, I got it done. And he goes, what? You have, how? So well, it was simple. On the other side of the, of the map that you gave me was a picture of a person. So I just put the person back together and the world became fine. And that is such a true statement to kind of the conditions that you and I face. If we can get ourselves together, oh, how much better would the world be? So today, we're going to talk about addictions and life-controlling issues. And I tell you, this is a, it's a challenging topic, and there's no way that Again, I say this probably every week we do one of these type of messages. There's no way that I can cover every detail. There's no way that I can answer every question. But I do believe that God has put something on my heart that will be helpful to each and every one of us. And here's, I want you to just consider this for a moment, okay? Almost 21 million Americans have at least one addiction. 21 million Americans have at least one addiction, yet only 10 of them, only 10% of them receive treatment. Drug overdose deaths have more than tripled since 1990. From 1999 to 2017, more than 700,000 Americans died from overdosing on a drug. Alcohol and drug addiction cost the U.S. economy over $600 billion annually. In 2017, 34.2 million Americans committed DUIs. 21.4 million under the influence of alcohol, 12.8 million under the influence of drugs. About 20% of Americans who have a depression or anxiety disorder also have a substance use, a substance abuse disorder, or a substance use disorder, excuse me. More than 90% of people who have an addiction started to drink alcohol or use drugs before they were 18 years old. Americans between the ages of 18 and 25 are most likely to use addictive drugs. Now, I understand that's a pretty, that's a pretty narrow uh, understanding of addictions and life-controlling issues, but I want you to consider this. Those are just some of the few. So you might ask the question, well, what is a life-controlling issue? There, this is any negative thought pattern. Hear this carefully. This is any negative thought pattern, habit, or life situation that you, have been, that you have tried to overcome but seem to be unable to change on your own, along with anger, hoarding, anxiety, codependency, your mobile device, sex, food, gambling, etc. They potentially will, hear me, or have already cost you jobs, relationships, and all a sense 
of peace. You see, life-controlling issues, we look at these things as addictions and we go, oh, it's drugs, alcohol, so I'm cool. Everything's good. But we just have learned that that's not necessarily the case. I wonder, can you relate to this this morning? You say, well, not really. Not really, Gary, I can't. Well, let me, let me help you. Uh, I'm going to use some, some thoughts this morning from Celebrate Recovery. And the reason I do it is because there's such a, a broad understanding of what Celebrate Recovery is all about. And I'll get to that in a minute a little bit more. But hear this. Celebrate Recovery uses these three words, a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. And I am looking in the mirror this morning. Here's the mirror. Do I have a hurt? Do I have a habit? Do I have a hang-up? I can probably answer yes to all three. We could probably, every one of us in this room, answer yes to at least one. And many of those hurts, habits, hang-ups grab onto our lives and they hold tight. And they become a life-controlling issue or an addiction. And we have tried, you have tried, to overcome this by every means possible on your own. And yet, it still has a grip. If you, listen, listen to this. If you, answered any, if you answer yes to any of the following questions, you're in the right place this morning. Okay? Here we go. Do you ever stay up late when you know you need to sleep? Do you ever eat or drink more calories than your body needs? Do you ever feel you ought to exercise but don't? Do you ever know the right thing to do but don't do it? Do you ever know something is wrong but you do it anyway? Have you ever known you should be unselfish but were selfish instead? Have you ever tried to control somebody or something and found them to be found them or it to be uncontrollable? Okay, you're in the right place. So I want you to do this for me this morning. I want you to look around and just say, you're in the right place. Come on, do it. Not just to your spouse, not just to your spouse. Come on, yeah, right up here. Point right back this way. Yeah, we're in the right, we're in the right place. See, here's the thing. We, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to help you here. We all get really uncomfortable when we start talking about addictions and life-controlling issues. Don't we? Because it hits really close to home. And I'm grateful that it does. And I am grateful that we have a God who is graceful. And he has all the, the resources available for us to find the help necessary. I'm grateful once again. So, what do we do with this? Let me give you one verse of scripture. I love this verse. And if you've been around church any length of time at all, and maybe you haven't, but you might still be familiar with this verse. John chapter 10 and verse number 10. A thief has only one thing in mind, and he wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Oh, you know something? There should have been an amen to stop all amens at the end of that. Why? 
Because that is God's intense intent for you. Is life in its fullness until you overflow. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you. And I pray that you'll just do something wonderful among us today for your honor and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, as I said, if you've followed Christ for any length of time, that verse is somewhat familiar. Now, I, I used what's called the, the, the Passion Translation. It's a relatively new translation. I consider it more of a paraphrase than I do a translation, but what it does, as you can see, it expands some of the language here in ways that I want you to get into your heart. You notice these words? That the thief, the thief. Now, this in context in John chapter 10 is talking about false shepherds. Okay? There are false shepherds that Jesus is identifying that really don't have great care for the sheep. They don't care. And he's comparing and contrasting the false shepherds and the false leaders to, he, to himself and saying, but I am, I'm the gate for the sheep. I am the, I'm the good shepherd. There's this great contrast here. Well, but also, one, one, it can't be lost here is that he says this thief is empowered by the enemy, the adversary of our souls, to do three things. And I love the way, this is why I chose this for this morning. I love the way that the translators put it. They said he wants to steal, to slaughter. That is a very vivid term, isn't it? And to what? Destroy. In other words, there is nothing good that the adversary of your souls has in mind for us. Addictions and life-controlling issues being one of them because what it does, it steals from you the life of abundance and overflow that God has made available to us in Christ. It destroys our joy. It destroys our peace. It destroys families. It just goes on. It is destructive by every means. I remember a young man some years ago came to my office and his, literally, his life was crumbling in front of him. And he told me his story, and we did, our, we did what we could to get him some help. I do not know, I do not know, even as I stand here this morning, whether he ever received the help he needed. But he was so incredibly addicted, ready, to prescription medication that it literally cost him everything. His job, his family, and he didn't know where he was. Prescription medication. You see, it destroys. Addictions are real. Life-controlling issues are real. And if we live in this state of denial, it's difficult. So here's a question. Here's a question for you. You've got this contrast of... <laughs> Once again, I'll just read it. Steal, slaughter, and destroy. Or, life in its fullness until you overflow. Which do you want? Which one do you want? Because, honestly, both of them are available. They're all there. They're right there in front of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 12 says, Some of you say, we can do anything we want to. But I tell you that not everything is good for us. So I refuse to let anything have power over me. So consider this. 
If our lives are controlled by anything other than the one who gives life, then we have been robbed, we are being destroyed, and we are dying slowly and unnecessarily. I won't, as I said, I won't be able to go as deep as I would like to, or maybe as you would want me to, but I will say this. If you truly desire to overcome the issues that strike at the heart of your life, you have to start the conversation. You cannot, you cannot continue to be, well, I can just do what I want to. I am free. I can just, I can, no. Not everything is good for us. And Paul makes it very clear. But you have to start that conversation. With this in mind, I want to give you three realities. Three realities before I give you something that I trust will be helpful and practical. I, I think these will be two, but let me give you these three realities. First one is this. Some of us, some of us have a history. Some of us have a history. According to the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence, I want you to listen to this very carefully. The single most reliable resource for risk of future alcohol or drug dependence is family history. Consider this. Genetics are responsible for physical attributes such as eye and hair color, left or right-handedness, earlobe shape, and even being predisposed to violent outbursts. One more. If children are raised in a family with a history of risk behaviors, they are at an increased risk of engaging in those behaviors. So I'm going to say it again. Some of us have a history. Even me. My grandfather, on my father's side, had, had alcohol abuse, anger issues that led to physical abuse of my grandmother. Genetic. You go back in his history, there's genetic. My father inherited those genes. Okay? My father had an anger issue to the point where he had to be restrained at one particular point in his life from literally beating his half-brother to death. They had to pull him off. He was angry beyond imagination. And this is what my dad told me. He said, Gary... If God had not intervened in my life, I do not know where I would be today. I don't think I ever heard my dad utter an angry word. Never saw him display anger other than against the things of, of the enemy in his, in his spiritual right, his spiritual anger. Never saw it. And you see, I want you to understand something. When I think about the genetics that are in my life, I am predisposed to addictions and life-controlling issues, anger being one of them, alcohol abuse being another. But I want to tell you something. God broke the cycle of the history of our family, and I stand here today because of God doing a miracle in my dad's life. And don't discount the very same to be true in yours. Say, well, that's just, just the way I am. I'm, I'm just, just, no. It may be the way you are, but God can alter all of what we were to bring us to where we are. First Corinthians, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or are greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to this. 
Some of you were once like that. Do you notice the past tense? Were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. God can do a miracle in your life. Hallelujah. Listen, there is no sin He cannot forgive. There is no gene He cannot modify. He, he, no change that He cannot affect. God can change us completely. Hallelujah. Some of us have a history, but God can change us. Second reality is that many of us make bad decisions. Okay? Now, the Trojan horse was not a particularly good decision. You know, the, 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 Troy had withstood the attacks and the assault for 10 years when they were given a gift of a big horse. Oh, thank you very much. Well, that was the end of Troy. It was a bad decision. Napoleon attacking Russia was not a good decision. Now, you could go on and on. I'll give you another one. Kodak. Remember the Kodak? Opting for film instead of a digital camera even though they had perfected it. Oops. One more. When I was 30, I should have tarkened my hair. Okay, just, that's another one. Not so much on that bad decision, but that's... Bad decision. The point is, many of us make bad decisions. We just do. And when it comes to getting us into compromising places, well, the outcomes, usually, they're not all that good because of our decisions. I want to read a passage of Scripture. It's a little longer. But I want you to, and it deals specifically with sexual temptation, okay? But I want, you to, I want you to listen how Solomon crafts this story. Proverbs 7, beginning at verse 6. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice, and I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, the dark of night was setting in, or set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She's unruly and defiant, and her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him, kissed him, and with a brazen face she said, Today I fulfilled my vows, and I have... I have food for my fellowship offering at home, so I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I found you. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk, and all at once, he, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. I'm telling you, that is a vivid picture of bad decisions and where it leads. Yes, that's dealing with sexual sin and sexual temptation, but I'm telling you, that application can go across every addiction and life-controlling issue. Because you notice about this young man, he did not have good sense. In other words, making bad decisions, clouded judgment. All of us, remember, many of us make bad decisions that leads to not the kind of outcome 
we would desire. And interestingly enough, verse 26, I didn't include it, says this. Solomon says, many are the victims she has brought down. Many are the victims she has brought down. And bad decisions, uh, by the way, are not the sole position, possession of the young. Okay, let me just be clear. Bad decisions are not the sole possession of the young or of men. It's all of us. It's all of us. The third reality is that all of us are tempted. Some of us have history. Many of us make bad decisions, but all of us are tempted. All of us are tempted. There's not a person living or dead that does not face temptation or has faced temptation. It's part of the human experience, including Jesus. Hebrews chapter number 4, Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. That is so incredible. You say, well, of course he didn't sin. He's God. He's God's son, of course. But you see, Jesus voluntarily, he voluntarily set aside. It, this is a big, here's a, you know, this, here's a theological word warning. So if you're going to close your ears to theological words, here it is. The word kenosis. Where he sets certain things aside. He willingly, he willingly allowed himself to become human to experience the human condition. That was the will of the, it was his will to do this. So he's he he faces everything that we have faced. Voluntary refrain from using his divinity to make his way easier. He did that on he did that on his own accord. You see, Jesus understands the temptations we face and that sin doesn't have to be the result of temptation because Jesus was able to overcome that. So a couple of thoughts about temptation. The first is this. Temptation is not sin. And most of us, I think, if we've been a part of faith at any length of time, we kind of get it. We know that that's true. But it's important to reinforce that truth. James 1, and remember when you're being tempted... Don't say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. Do you see the progression that James is giving us? Temptation happens, but then this comes out of our own desires, and then there's this spiral, as it were. These desires give birth to sinful actions. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. You see, there's just this continual spiral away. Temptation itself is not sin. Second thing is that God will make a way of escape when we are tempted. 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation regardless of its source has overtaken, I'm going to use the amplified here because it's just so good, has overtaken or enticed you that it is not common to human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. But God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation, he has in the past and is now and will always provide the way out as well so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. Amen. Amen. It's available to us. So where do we, what do we do with this? Those are some realities. So what I, it is so important we understand that some of us have a history, many of us make bad decisions, and all of us are tempted. But in each case, God makes a way, he restores, helps, and he forgives. Keep this in mind. Your present condition does not have to be 
determined. Do you hear that? Your present condition does not have to be permanent. Because there are so many, I believe, that are dealing with these kinds of things. You go, there's no hope for me. There's no hope. I can't, I can't get out of this. Because, look, my, my dad was, my grandfather was. I am just part of this mess of history. No, man, the decisions that have been made before me, the decisions that I continue to make, it is a mess. I can't get out of this cycle. No, it's not true. That is the lie of the thief stealing from you what God has made available to you. And you cannot buy in to the lie. You cannot because it will slaughter and it will destroy you. You cannot. In 1991, Celebrate Recovery began at Saddleback Church in Orange County. And since that time, literally millions of people have been resourced, helped, blessed, and healed. And I know many... uh, uh, of individuals who have walked that pathway and have seen God do miracle after miracle in their life. And I'm grateful for that. But what I want to do, Rick Warren is such a master at creating, at creating acrostics. and he just, He's just so good at turning a phrase. And so what, I, what he did, along in cooperation with John Baker, they created the ministry of Celebrate Recovery. And what I'm going to share with you, I'm going to share an acrostic. And there's, there's intentionality behind this. I want to I help you this morning if indeed you are in the midst of addictions, life-controlling issues. There's help. There's resource. We're going to pray for you in just a moment. So regardless of what that addiction or life-controlling issue might be, I want you to know, first, God can heal you. And I also want you to know, God does heal in a variety of ways. He heals Instantly, he does by process, and he does ultimately when we step from this life into the next. And it's the process that I want to share with you through this act, acrostic, of recovery. And in your notes, you'll see, I've given you the way that you can write this down. The first, the R in recovery, is realize that I am not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Now, I want to tell you something. I could preach for the rest of the morning just on that point. Because if you don't hear anything else, you've got to hear point number one. You have to admit there is an issue. Until you admit there is an issue... You're going to continue to cycle through challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge. You will go up. You will go down. You will have victory. You will have failure. You will not find the fulfillment needed. You've got to start with this. I have an issue. Proverbs 14. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Romans 7. I don't really understand myself for what I want to do. For, what, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I know, I know that what I'm doing is wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. This is all about our natural bent to sin. So understand that you cannot begin to recover until you admit there is an issue. You cannot begin to recover until you admit there is an issue. The E is earnestly. Earnestly believe that God exists that I matter to him, and that he has the ability or he has the power to help me recover. 
consciously choose to commit all of my life and will to Christ's care and control. That seems like, well, you know something, I've kind of done that. I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. Well, let me, let me offer this. Have you ever found yourself compartmentalizing your life? This is my Sunday morning at 9 a.m. life. This is my Monday night at 9 o'clock life. Right? The Lordship of Jesus Christ doesn't compartmentalize. It's everything. Earnestly. Hebrews 11, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him or earnestly seek him. Third, consciously. Consciously choose to commit all of my life and will to Christ's care and control. Very similar to this earnestly seeking, but critically important. Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, and for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Number, <clears throat> number four, openly, openly. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. See that? This admission, okay, I got an issue. The people closest to you probably know you have an issue. Okay? You can do the best you can to hide it, but they know you got something going on. Get open with them. Here it is. Then confess that to God. I'm so grateful that God is graceful. Amen? That he doesn't push us aside, but rather he embraces us. He forgives us. And I love the third part is to confess to a trusted friend. You need someone in your life to which you can have honest, forthright conversations about the deepest things that are going on in your life. That you can trust. That they will hold your confidence tightly. You can always trust them. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he'll forgive us our sins because we can trust God to do what is right. He'll cleanse us from all the wrongs that we have done. James 5, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so God can heal you. The V is voluntarily submit every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. What changes does God want to make? You know, I mentioned a little bit ago about mobile phones, mobile devices. They are incredibly addictive. Incredibly. You, don't, you may not think so, but they are. You carry around with you this addictive element. Well, you know, sometimes you just have to, sometimes you have to uh, just remove the character defects. Turn that thing off. Set that thing down. Do something different. That's just one simple response. Romans 12. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will be, that he will find acceptable. Listen to this. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. 
couple days ago, just for, out of curiosity, I was doing some, I don't know, I was surfing somewhere. Not, I wasn't surfing on the ocean. I was surfing on that mobile thing, you know. And I can, you've probably seen this. You've seen the, the Noom. It's a, it's a diet thing called Noom, N-O-O-M. I was curious, so I said, okay, I'm going to take the Noom quiz. So I took the Noom quiz. Here's what I found out, that I can reach all of my goals. I can reach all of my goals by January 7th, 2022. So I'm sweet. That's pretty cool. Then I found out it costs money, and I said, forget that. I ain't going to do that. Okay. So, but here's, here's the thing I thought was really cool. Did you know that when you, you go down this road, changing, that is possible because you change your behavior. But you know what is the bigger picture or bigger issue? Changing the way you think. That's what it is. And that's exactly what Paul says in Romans 12. We've got to change the way we think. The way that happens is through God's word, allowing him to transform your thinking through his word, reorienting how we process the world. The E is evaluate my relationship. This is a tough one for some of us. You probably heard a story something like this where person may go to uh, find, find, and I'll use Team Challenge as an example, incredible organization that does amazing work bringing individuals, both men and women, out of destructive behavior. Uh, just incredible what God has done over these last 60 years, almost 60, getting close to 60 years. Incredible what God's done. But let's say an individual goes away to Team Challenge in another area of the country, which happens from time to time. They get all cleaned up, and then they come back, and they get right back into the same school or same circle of friends. Hmm. It's time to evaluate relationships, right? But the same is true for all of us. I'm not, that's kind of the, the more, um, I guess, extreme side of things. But for us, we need to evaluate our relationships because there are some, there are some relationships just aren't good for you. They're just not good for you. You say, but, but you don't understand. Well, I completely understand. They're not good for you. And it's time to change those relationships. Evaluate relationships. Offer, now listen to this. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. Powerful point, isn't it? Colossians 3, don't be angry with each other, but forgive each other. If you feel someone is wrong, you forgive them. Forgive those because the Lord forgave you. Uh, Louis Metis said this. He says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. It's so true. So true. And the R is reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer. In order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. You see, you can't reorient your thinking until you begin to dedicate your thoughts, your mind, to something that will build you and grow you into what God wants you to be. You're not going to experience the life and overflowing fullness until you tap into the resource that God has made available to us. You've got to set aside that time. It's reorienting the way we think, the things that we do. We get out of these old habits and patterns, and we create new habits and patterns. 2 Peter 3, grown the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is filling our minds, hearts, and souls? Set aside a time every day to be with God. And then finally, yield. Yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both my, by my example and by my word. 
healed, healed. 2 Corinthians 12, but he said to me, my grace is enough for you. When you are weak, my power is made perfect in you. So I am very happy to brag about my weaknesses. Then Christ's power can live in me. These are powerful truths. And there's somewhat of a, of a common thread in all of them. Ready? Here it is. And this is, this. it's not in your notes, but you could write this word down. You probably remember this word. There's a common thread. Here it is. Choice. Choice. Oh, you mean I got I have to make, yeah. You have to choose. So I'm going to put it this way. Life as Jesus promised is possible, but it requires a choice. Remember I asked the question a little while ago, which one do you want? So I'm going to suggest, here's the, here's the answer I want to suggest. Choose life. Choose life. It's time to move from victim to victor, paralyzed to powerful, overwhelmed to overcomer. It can happen in the name of Jesus, and it happened today. That decision, this conversation that has begun can continue from this day forward till healing occurs in your life. Till that addiction is no longer has any power over you. You are not controlled by anything other than the spirit of the living God within you. It can happen. It can happen today. So in your worship guides, you got a worship guide, front page. The QR code down at the bottom, right bottom. And if you will click that code, you're going to find resources to celebrate recoveries in our area. And this morning, if you have a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up, I am going to challenge you and I'm going to encourage you to become a part of a Celebrate Recovery group somewhere as soon as you possibly can. And I will tell you right now, the most difficult time that you will make that decision, or rather the, the most difficult occasion to be there is the first one. But you get there the first time, you're going to find a group of people who love you and have walked the same path that you have walked. And they will be there to walk with you until victory is yours. You move from being a victim to a victor. You move from being powerless to powerful. You move from being overwhelmed to being an overcomer. I believe that for you today. So I would just say it this way. This is a come to Jesus moment for all of us. I said this a little bit ago. You cannot begin to recover until you admit there's an issue. And now is that time. Now is that time. So I'm going to ask very simply. If you have a life controlling issue. You may feel that it's gone to the point of addiction. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what, where you are on that continuum, okay? But I want you to have the boldness this morning to do something that will cause you to take a step of faith. And I'm not talking about the QR code. I'm talking about without us standing, without us doing anything, if you have, whether an addiction, life, however you want to define it, wherever you are, I want you to come, I want you to get up out of your seat, and I want you to come to this altar and join me here. Right now. Yes, it's hard. But I want you also to understand something. If anybody looks cross-eyed at you, shame on them. If anybody thinks ill, shame on them. Because this is about you getting right with God. This is a come-to-Jesus moment. Join me at the front. Would you do that? Come on. Come on.
Just fill the front of this auditorium, and then I'm going to ask our prayer team and those of our staff, I want you to just come and stand behind them, because we're going to pray. We're going to take, we're going to take care of some business with God today, okay? This is a God moment. I want, every, I want everyone here to look at me. This is a God moment, okay? Each of you, no matter what you may be facing, you are not standing at this altar by coincidence. It is not by chance that we've had this message today. Okay? This is a God-ordained moment for you. God is intervening in your life right now because He loves you and He desires more than anything that you would have overflowing life in abundance. And I refuse to let the enemy and the adversary of our soul to steal one more moment from you. No more. No more. Are you with me? We're there? We're together on this, right? Okay. You've made the best decision you could ever make. You're just saying, God, I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. At least you got to choose. All right. So all I want you to do, I'm going to make this real simple. I'm going to ask everybody in the auditorium to stand. And I'm going to ask every one of you, whatever way is most comfortable, just to extend a hand to your friends, your family members. These are your family members here. Okay? They're walking some difficult path. So those of you at the front, I want you to just turn your hands upside down like this. And just Jesus, I thank you this morning for my... I'm going to call them my brothers and my sisters. Thank you, Jesus, for their lives. Thank you, Lord, for everybody online right now that is doing just what we are doing here. To come to Jesus. To come to you, Lord, with open hands and open heart. The first thing that we do is just say, Jesus, forgive us, forgive me for what the dumb things, the bad decisions. Lord, for yielding to temptation. Would you just say that with me? Forgive me, Jesus. And Lord, I, I, I pray that as we make that simple confession that you hear us, and that this is a moment where we start fresh and new. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So I pray, adversary of our souls, you have no authority here. In the name of Jesus, you are defeated. Hallelujah. You are defeated in every life that stands at this altar this morning. You are defeated for every person who's joining us online. You have no authority. No way. So Lord, we, in that moment of confession, just forgive Lord, I pray right now for those of us who come to this altar with history. Lord, we got genetics that predispose us. Certain. Lord, I pray that you would break that cycle right now in the name of Jesus Christ as you broke it in my family so many years ago. Lord, you brought deliverance to my father and now generations who will follow him are free because of your miraculous power in his life. And now it is now through ours and in generations to come. Thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you would break that in every person here who may be experiencing the very same thing. 
Lord, they have a history. But Lord, you are one who creates a new history, a new life. Do that even as we speak. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, and I also pray right now, no more bad decisions. I pray, Spirit of the living God, rise up in each one of us and say, no, this is not going to happen. Lord, we would sense the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. This will not happen. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going down that road. Not one more time. It is done. It is finished in the name of Jesus. And by your strength and by your power, I will live that way from this moment forward. Let it be so. Let it be so. God, I pray that you begin to reorient our thinking. Reorient our thinking. Begin, a, begin in us a, a new hunger and desire to know you and to grow in you. Lord, I pray that you would transform our minds, our thoughts, our hearts, our soul. That we would no longer live in the way that the pattern of this world. We would not copy the behavior of the world, but rather we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Let us think on the things that are pure and holy and right. Let that fill and captivate our souls. Thank you. Lord, I also pray that if there have been wounds that have been created by our decision, by the activities of our life, God, give us the courage to just ask for forgiveness. Just ask for forgiveness. And through that, that we would set free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Finally this morning, Lord, I just pray that the power of God would overwhelm each and every but we have to start somewhere. We've got to start a conversation somewhere. At some point, that conversation has begun. And now, Lord, we commit the days that are ahead to you. Lord, from this moment forward, we will make a pledge, a declaration before you today that we will do what it takes to find healing. We'll get ourselves into the right counseling, into the right group. We will have confession with the right person. We will do that which we need to do to see this thing through for the honor and glory of Christ. We will not be, by, we will not be controlled by anything other than by the Spirit of God. We were once slaves to sin. We will now be slaves to righteousness and to Jesus Christ. We will follow you. We will do your will. We will work for you all to your honor and to your praise. And so, Lord, we will do what it takes to get this thing accomplished with your help and your strength. But, Lord, I pray that even today, those standing at this altar will find a support group. They will find whatever is needed in their particular life and experience so that they can have the process healing that is necessary to see this through to your honor and to your praise. Deliver us this morning from those things that control us. And Lord, let us be subject, subject alone to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In our life. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Would you give God a big hand of praise? Okay, listen to me real quick before we go. Listen. You've got to take the step from here. This is a huge step. It's huge. This is before you and God. But now, there has to become that second step of accountability to somebody else and to start a process. I believe that God can heal us instantly. I wouldn't be standing here and seeing what I did unless I believe that. I shouldn't be, okay? I shouldn't be. But also realize that there is process that many of us need to get from step one to whatever step is out there. 
We've got to have it. Without it, without it, and sometimes it's the third party that makes all the difference. It's that celebrate recovery. It's that counselor. It's whatever that is. And it, that's why in the QR code, the resources are there. Use those resources. They will provide for you that second step of accountability to get you into a place of fullness. God desires that you would have life and have it to an abundance and full and amazing, incredible, and I'm believing that for you. Amen?